healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the Basement Fellow Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glass at the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, we are so happy to have you down here yet again. I uh, hope you tune in th- for our sounds of Washington, D.C. The second installment came out on Monday. A great, great conversation and some music uh, with our friends Matt and April from April and Vista. Uh, their new songs are out now. Go and get them on Bandcamp, on Apple Music, and Spotify. Hopefully they'll be on tour soon. Um, but today, we are uh, kind of eschewing the music here to have a, a, a sort of an important conversation, like we do sometimes. Um, you know, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago, and we noticed, um, we followed the Trump tweets, and we noticed that an uh, uh, artist that we greatly admire had uh, had liked a a sort of vulgar tweet about immigration. Uh, that artist is Sunny Sweeney. Um, we've mentioned that before. Uh, we've also mentioned that she takes money from the NRA. And and the short version now is that when Eduardo and I started talking about that, and like, what does that even mean? Like, we love her music, but here's this person who takes money from the NRA, uh, still after Parkland. Uh, and and is now endorsing like heinous heinous tweets about immigrants, uh, and and how apparently immigrants are evil according to Trump. Um, and uh, and what does that mean? What do we? Su- why why would we support that artist? And uh, and it went on for quite a while. So we eventually I said, hey, you know, we should actually sit down, put some people together, and talk about this. And uh, and so that's what we're doing today. Uh, I will cop to being to this being in large part to if you saw the CNN uh, town hall with the Parkland kids, uh, that was inspiring as fuck. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lawyerly speak of this podcast, but there's also there's there, there's a lot of of ignoring just simple truths. I think in in our society, not just American, just all over the place. Uh, in in the efforts of uh, like I don't know cushioning the blow, uh, making it better. But we, I think deep down we all know uh, what is right. So so when we talk about artists like R. Kelly, uh, when we talk about artists like Michael Jackson, Roman Polanski, Woody Allen, uh, fucking not an artist but Harvey Weinstein, we talk about all these. We we know that that is wrong. But somewhere in our heads, our collective heads, we decide that it's okay. To still appreciate the art, and uh, and I don't know. Even after having this hour and a half conversation, that's a question that can be answered. Is like, do we do that? Do we? You know, we just saw today, um, Dick's Sporting Goods and now Walmart. Uh, Walmart's not going to sell guns to kids uh, under twenty-one. Dick's Sporting Goods isn't going to sell assault rifles. So that's a start, and and that's sort of what we're talking about here is holding 
holding the, the our culture and the things in our culture, whether it be artists, filmmakers, uh, gun makers, whoever, uh, responsible. And uh, and what are we willing to tolerate? And so that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna be talking about here. And it was a uh, it's a great conversation. It's actually what I made this podcast for, explicitly, like this whole thing, um, so that we can talk about stuff like this sometimes as it relates to uh, the art that we love. So um, joining me is gonna be like I said, Eduardo. He's always down here taking care of the three eleven CDs, but he he got on break and he came out and talked to the mic. Marcus and uh, and Vivian, who you heard last episode, and uh, and if you hang out to the end, you can hear <laughs> Vivian just round the house. Uh, Marcus K. Dowling, it's just kind of amazing, but uh, my favorite moment in, in our podcast history. But that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, so if if this is something that you think is important, if it's something you care deeply about, uh, tune in. We're about to head down to the basement to meet them. If not, uh, we'll be back next episode with, jo- with Lucy Dacus. And uh, and I totally understand that you came here wanting the music podcast and said you got a podcast about social issues, but that's what we're doing. It's my podcast. I get to decide that kind of thing. So if you're ready, if you're all set, you have your beverage, you have your friend, you have your your big thoughts, you have your thinking cap on. Uh, let's head on down to the basement, talk with my friends uh, Eduardo, Marcus, and Vivian about uh, a very serious topic of of art versus the artist. Only fifteen bro. tweets. You though? spammed the bro. Yeah, but I like, but I like <laughs> went in. It was like, it was like, and it was one of these things. Like we were like, this is an early Twitter guy. This is, now this would have been a whole thing, right. and I would have gone viral and whatever. <laughs> but like, I had like one hundred and fifty like retweets on each like little part of it. I'm viral because just... of iconoclasm. Wow, <laughs> oh. wow. Sorry, I'm a fan. Thank you. Vivian, you're new here, but it's a lot of tough love down here. So just, <laughs> just, on me, uh, especially. On you, especially. <laughs> on you, especially. Um, no, that's, that's a real story. That's a thing. That well, if, if, like, we'll uh, circle back around to that. I yeah, think. we will circle <laughs> around. But because, because I think if, I mean, that's the least impactful thing that should have happened to Chris Brown <laughs> is getting attacked on Twitter, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's worth I mentioning mean, that even today, his his basically he doesn't he doesn't defend what happened, right? There's no reason to say allegedly because he no, did he, he did, did beat Rihanna, yeah. And 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 basically his comment on it today is like, well, that was a long time ago, and I don't see why people aren't over it. <laughs> I mean, you know, which is not I'm I'm That's missing that quote in. a little bit, but but basically blood, that's the extent of his response. Like, yeah. um, um, so we're going to be talking about uh, down here about. Art versus the artist was based on a conversation you and I had, Eduardo. Uh, we were talking about our quote air quotes friend Sonny Sweeney. Yeah, um, and we're gonna get into that situation uh, in a minute. But you know, this isn't an original thought, original conversation. That's just something I think we haven't actually fully explored or had. Of we give artists uh, and people like he's a nice dude <laughs> a pass. Because of something perceived worth that isn't like if you're an artist, it's you did something great. I'm looking at a picture of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, who is to to date the uh, holds the world record for giving the most money to charity as an entertainer. He also probably touched the most little boys inappropriately. But those are allegations. Um, and I mean, I mean, somewhere Gary Glitter is 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 wondering if that's true. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> 
to him. But um, who, gets, who gets paid by like by yeah. like you know by every arena that that is that Rock is licensed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and yeah, and 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 so this is sort of pervasive in our culture. So we're going to spend a little time talking about uh, some of the best cases and worst cases, the different kinds of cases of what you can, uh, what we're talking about, and uh, and maybe figure out what even just us in the room are going to do about it. It's Eduardo down there. Mr. Dow in there, and Vivian, you are you are first time in the basement here. What is your last name? I can, I'm bad at pronouncing names. Uh, Bosu. Bosu. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Uh, you are coming to us from the Bay Area, correct? Yeah, from yeah. California. And you're here in D.C. now. Uh huh. Yeah. And just hanging out, and you're like these weird dudes in the basement. Maybe I'll go talk. <laughs> Join the conversation. It, it's how it works, actually. <laughs> it, it, it's really that's how, that's how three and a half years ago. That's how I ended up. It's really yeah. yeah. No, but it's it's really. We had uh, our my good friend Aubrey Menard. Uh, she's actually started the podcast. She's one of the first panelists on this with us. And it, you know, she was just like answered like a Craigslist ad, <laughs> and then had the wherewithal to be like, "I'm yeah, I'll go hang out in the basement and drink beer with three older dudes. I don't whatever. And it, you know, turned out fine." Is what, I, is what I'm saying. No, okay. How does the story go? Apropos, she is, is living, um, I think, in Cambodia with her husband right now, doing a lot of really important work. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to say we're glad to have you. When when we got an email from you, mm-hmm. uh, I put it around all these guys and they, and and ladies, and it was just 1,000 percent unanimous. They're like. What are you talking about? We're dumbasses. Get this person who seems smart in here. Even today, a response to the email is like, derp. I'm like, okay. <laughs> we got our work cut out for us. But um, I'm also happy because you represent the uh, the younger voice in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we try not to be ageist in this at all, but it is worth pointing out I'm going to be 46 this year. You two are 40, and Does- you are. 22. 22, yeah. So. I'm 40, right? Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank so, you. Uh, so, so, so let's start. Let's start with this, with with uh, what spurred this conversation. Um, last year we reviewed an album called Trophy by an artist named Sonny Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love country music here. You guys are the country panel. We, we sure, yes, we are. And uh, anyone who saw us walking down the street would be like those those three dudes. <laughs> yeah, the country, country panel. <laughs> um, and you know, part of the reason we loved it was that she worked with Lori McKenna. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is one of our favorites here. Yes. And we recognize that Nashville has some problems. Um, but we we were just talking upstairs, Vivian, about misogyny or just do, just bad shit with dudes in the country. And, and it is something that literally never crossed my mind uh, about women in country. <laughs> um, but in this case, uh, and this is different from a lot of the things we're going to be talking about, after the Vegas shootings... Our friend Chris Richards posted a link um, to uh, some weird, like, dark corner of the NRA's website of country artists that take money and are supported by the NRA. It's like the NRA lifestyle. It's like the Condé Nast yeah, 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 of yeah. the NRA's website. And, and there was some Sweeney. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just in all her, her, her like, yep. glory. And it was, it, it was, it was, honestly, it was a shock. It was a little bit of a slap. Uh, it shouldn't have been. I grew up, uh, Around rednecks, the uh, the you don't know, you think you know type, you know, that, and uh, so it shouldn't have been, but it is. So, uh, we've been actually figuring out internally what, like, how to take that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that immediately went from we want her on the podcast the next time she's in town to we don't 
I don't. Which she'll be back in town in like two or three months. Yeah, she'll be back, yes. back, in, yeah. back at Hill Country. Yes. I mean, it could be interesting to like see what she has it could to be. say. It could be. Yeah. I, I don't have it within me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be straight up about that. Yeah. You want to have a conversation about um, why you take money from a murdering terrorist organization, then mm-hmm. that's fine. But uh, sane people don't want to have that conversation. Uh, but it was it was then uh, favoriting a tweet from and I can't believe we're in an age where we talk about tweets know, so much. I know but this. Fuck it, it's we're here. Uh, and it, we, I forget what it was she, about. She but, faved a tweet by Donald Trump, yes, saying that it's just unconscionable that the Democrats are so weak on border security because. It was basically like it was. Because it was one of those. Star got killed. It was. Right, it was one yeah. of Trump's greatest hits. It was like. It was like yeah. someone was murdered by an illegal alien, and I can't believe that Democrats aren't helping yeah, me the, uh, the, round the, these the people up and get them out center. of here. Yeah. Yeah. And Sonny Sweeney liked the tweet, and yeah. and she, you know, usually engages with people on Twitter who tweet at her, and at the very least, she'll acknowledge if you, um, if you at her, and um, and I think I just basically tweeted something to the effect of like this immigrant is not going to be spending any more money yeah. or time on Sonny Sweeney's work or products or anything. And, uh, and it went completely unacknowledged. Although her, her guitarist, um, Hartley husbands, I think yes. is his name. Yeah. Um, uh, his, on his Instagram on the same day, he posted something, uh, explicitly making fun of Donald Trump. So I don't know if he sort of saw, that activity by her and thought, right. oh, well, I, I don't want people to think we're all fucking Trumpers right. in this band, which, by the way, is admittedly a fairly tight band. They're and they put really on a good live show band. because we all enjoy that. So, so. so the question this, this uh, can, I, can I ask yeah, you real yeah, fast? Yeah. I'm a member of Sonny Sweeney's fan club. Oh, my fucking God. And I, I saw that. And I've had to deal yeah. with, with that. And it lives within me because I'm actually a big fan of her music. Like yes. you know this, Kevin. I do. You know this. I'm yeah. a big fan of her music because I'm like she fills a space and a void in country music. It's very important. Like you need you need strong female opinionated female voices. Mm-hmm. I'm a member of her fan club. I'm like an outed like the journalist who's in the fan club person. And then this thing happened, and I'm like, wow. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I'm black. So yeah. <laughs> it's like right. Twelve different ways of just like. Oh, yeah. So, so hurts. So, an artist's politics, I think, are the least horrific thing we're going to be talking about tonight. But, like, what happens when an artist's politics completely don't jive with you, but they drop a jam that you absolutely love? Like, do you, how do you internalize that? Is it a, like, do you do what back in the day, uh, you know, when John Lennon's Jesus quote, they went out and burned Beatles records, or do you just sort of? Let it go, or do you? I mean, how how do you make a stand? Do you not buy the products, and, like, and what is what worth is that? And it's really easy for those of us who aren't conservatives, right? Because ninety eight percent of good music is made by people who are like loud liberals, right, and loudly progressive and sort of upfront about their beliefs. So all we have to decide is like, does Charlie Daniels really need to be in my life? And the answer to that is almost always no. Or Ted Nugent, <laughs> right? Like those are easy scratches if you really oh, want to sort of politicize God, your, oh, your music listening. But uh, I, I went sorry, to the last Nuge, two times <laughs> Nuge was in town. Do you know the only black person who was at the Nuge's show? I'm betting it was you and that you were everyone's friend there. And that, yes. And that 50 you different are, people walked up to you and talked to you because you're, uh, you're fair game when you're in a white space like that. And, so. and I stood in the back mm-hmm. and I looked up on stage 
as Ted Nugent made fun of the other black person that was important in the world at that time, in that world, was Barack Obama. And then everybody, when Nugent would say something disparaging about Obama, would all look back at me like, right. what is this other black person going to say about the president of the United States who shares his skin color? So, <laughs> so, so oh, I, I guess the question I'm asking is, how do you square that circle? Like, how, how do you, is the enjoyment worth it? I mean, what do you think, Vivian? Is, is, can you just look past somebody's politics and be like, it's okay? As I long as it doesn't end up in the art? I, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, I feel like a hypocrite for listening to the music I listen to, but I listen to a lot of music by, I mean, like the other day I was listening to Chris Brown to get ready right. to go out. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, but I don't agree at all with, you know, like what he does mm-hmm. or even what he sings about. It's like, it's a hard, I think it's a hard line because. Beautiful people is a jam. Okay. <laughs> like people make music that you can jam to and you can listen to in the car and that like is really good music, but that's also bad music in a lot of ways too. Well, I mean, do you think it's a matter of, of awareness? Like if we had never seen that, yeah, then we wouldn't know. And right. she, and she's not, she's not writing songs like Eduardo, you got to die because you're an immigrant. <laughs> right. Right. That right. would be I something mean, completely all, different. Right. For the record, we all really liked her music. Right. So like, so like her political view is not important enough to find its way into the music, at least in an overt way that would mm-hmm. turn us off because yeah. I don't, I mean, because there's no way to put Trump, Trump's political agenda to music and have it sound cool, like or enjoyable. That may be Nickelback, sir. Right. <laughs> I, I will. <laughs> I will. I will wait for a puddle of mud. How you remind me? Oh no! Oh, you pick on puddle of mud now. Um, this is yeah, how because you remind me. Well, well, we we talk. Go. We've talked a lot about wanting artists to have politics in their music, and so you know that's another thing for us down here is like. If she did, if an artist does, uh, we were looking for alt-right country, to be honest, this year. Samuel. <laughs> uh, Samuel the cat just brought his toy downstairs. Radio <laughs> listeners, podcast listeners. Um, so we're going to take a 25-minute break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, we, we look for that, and we look for to see when the first like alt-right country would pop up. And so far, it's just Toby Keith alone on an island, uh, which is fine. That's where he belongs. But uh, But... Where where do we have are, are we as consumers okay with? Okay, they're just doing that that thing, and in, in order to not break down into like complete and utter like tribalism and tribal warfare, what's what's the line? And that's a question. That's really a question I ask a lot. And it's I, and, yeah. oh, go ahead, Vivian. I, I think like I I just try to be conscious of like what I'm consuming and what I'm listening yeah. to, and like you're saying, like to actually know what you're listening into and just kind of do your research on what you're consuming and what you're purchasing. Like I don't buy music by people that I don't support their views, but if there's an artist that I really support that's coming up or that's making music that speaks to my views, I'll go out and buy their album my iTunes or something. Right. It's confirmation bias. Right. And at the end of the day, we're talking about like essentially how you want to use your economic power on some level. Right. And so do you want to buy products from shitty companies and do you want to buy art made by people that you think might not be good people or might not share your values? Yeah. I mean, I guess I see it in the way of like, no one's going to know if I listen to the radio and hear a song and I'm like dancing along. Right. If I turn off the radio, the same, I mean, no one's going to find out, you know? So right. if I'm yeah. just listening to a song and enjoying it, that's cool. But, like, I don't want to 
support them in like monetary ways, like you were saying. I have a, I have a rule, hard and fast rule with uh. this. I steal everybody's music first. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah. No, I do. On purpose, because I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know if this person is worth my money. Because we're in this era now where everybody's kind of trash. Like you find, you find trash on pretty much anybody. So you're like, okay, so this person, nine times out of ten, this person's going to be trash. Then, once I realize this person may, may have some kind of like deplorable thing about them, I try to jibe it with the context of their lives. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, well, how is this person raised? Where is this person from? So like Sonny Sweeney, for instance. Yeah. Sonny Sweeney comes from a certain area of the country where I presume that in her family, there's nothing that she could have done to like dis, dis, you know, dis, dis, you know, disavow right. awareness right, 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 right. of that side of the political coin. So I'm like, okay, she's already been this way for 30 years. Mm -hmm. There's nothing she could do to like change her mind drastically without nine tenths of her family looking at her like she's lost her mind. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I may not be for it, but I get it. Am I going to buy another album? Mm. Oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, never, never happening. Will I, right. will I, right. will I, will I pay her negative five trillion thousandths of a cent on Spotify by streaming that album as much as possible? Sure. Because I know that at the end of the day, as many times as I stream it, I'm giving her a dollar. Right. And, and I'm okay with that. But am I going to like buy the, the, the 9,000 gram vinyl? And purchase a, the, a trucker hat and but I guess go get that, a ticket. No, that's the Mistakes power of economic made. impact. I mean, we we we'd all like to think that like individually we have this impact, but the reality is we don't. You know, if if you if I don't buy anything but Sonny Sweeney ever again, it doesn't mean shit. Like it just doesn't. I have to convince millions of people not to do that, and that's not going to happen um, because so, out there there are more people, whether or not they agree with their politics or not, who are have have evolved more than me or are able to be like. Yeah, it's fine. It's it's good. You know, we we just aren't going to talk to her about that. I mean, it, it is. I take it back. Like, it, it would be really hard for me, but it, uh, it is a conversation that I would love to have with her or anybody who it wants, to, especially about uh, the guns right now, uh, who who would like to try and defend that position. Uh, if you saw just last night the CNN town hall, uh, the kids standing up. That's easily the most powerful thing I've ever seen in my lifetime, uh, and it was simply because they're like. This is it. This is not a discussion about stuff. This is how the world is. So what are we going to do about it? Can I can I share a little gossipy thing? That's sure. Just because I once sat in uh, seat 4B on an American Airlines flight right yeah. next to Marco Rubio yeah. in, in 4C. After he lost. It was the week he, he, yes. he dropped out of the Republican primary. And um, he figured out pretty quickly that I was not one of his people. And so we didn't have a lot to talk about. I, I you know, asked him a few polite uh, vanilla uh, questions. Um he had just announced, I think, that he was going to be dropping out, or I think he was about to announce that he was going to drop out of uh, the, his reelection campaign and go into the quote unquote private sector. And he was working mm -hmm. on a spreadsheet on his tablet, um, projecting like annual income somewhere in the $700,000 to $800,000 range. And I just kept thinking about that when he presented himself last night as sort of being indifferent to the money the NRA gives him when he spent a two hour flight working on a spreadsheet trying to figure out how to make seven to $800,000 a year. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't know how to like put that story out there. So I guess I just, you just, I did. just, I it's just fine. did here. So, it's yeah. fine. Uh, apropos of nothing. Yeah. Uh, apropos I, I, of kids that, dunking all over Marco Rubio. And that's a, and that's a, and that's a pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But 
Yeah, so so I mean, politics is one side of it, and that is uh, that's going to be an ongoing conversation. I think for everybody, I think it should. I think uh, it makes you feel good, right? If somebody is aligned with your politics and things, you're like, yeah, you got it, man. It's it's interesting um, in country where where there's such a stark, you know, it's 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 such a disciplined world where basically if you choose to be political, that automatically puts you into alt country, right? If you write political yeah, songs, right. yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you automatically right, right, and they were and they were they were booted out of the house, right? <laughs> so, um, uh, so if you go political, you're automatically in the Jason Isbell, James McMurtry drive-by truckers mm. kind of world. I mean, that's why we're waiting for the Casey Musgraves album, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but so it's, and, and then, and basically everyone else is sort of completely silent about their politics, which I think is why it was so sort of surprising to hear uh, or to see that tweet and then to keep checking back and be like, well, did she unfave the tweet? And she hadn't. <laughs> right. Right. Was it a mistake? If you like, leave your tweet up we... there for more than an hour, does that mean you're like doubling down? Like, what <laughs> right, right. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I don't know. But then Part there's of... also uh, like, I've, I spent way more time on this than I have learning about whether, uh, Yusuf Islam actually held any noxious beliefs right. or not, right? Because right. I love Cat Stevens's music too much. Right. I'm just not. I just don't. Like, right. And like, I don't necessarily trust the information I would get on whether he really believes well, in uh, sort of like you know death to the West. And, and, and as we've said, like, there's a good chance if you're in the entertainment industry somewhere in your past, you've been a pretty shitty human. Like that's just oh, it's a good. <laughs> that's what he said. It's, it's also true uh, of all living people in general. Well, I, yeah, I, I think, but I think maybe a little more so in entertainment. Yes, incremental, not just yeah, yeah just yeah. a little. I mean, because yeah. uh, there, there's a whole different dynamic to that, and and you know, to that end, we'll go to the the worst extreme in this is is R. Kelly. Um, he's the he's the big bad. He is the big bad, yeah. and he's the big bad personified. Uh, he is, for people who aren't familiar, back in uh, 2002, there's a video of him urinating on an underage girl. I would, I would just say look up Jim DeRogatis. Jim DeRogatis. Yeah. I, I was getting there. Uh, Jim, everything. Jim DeRogatis, my spirit animal up at uh, Sound Opinions. He, uh, he has dedicated his life to reporting on this. Came out with an article last year in, uh, in BuzzFeed. People threatened his life because of it mm-hmm. uh, about – a sex cult in Atlanta, which now, by the way, R. Kelly has been evicted from all his sex no, cult no, because, houses. No, no, because Atlanta. somebody went into that house and robbed him. Yeah, which I think is the the greatest like story of the last like year that nobody talked about enough is that somebody like reported, okay, this guy runs a sex cult out of this house. Mm-hmm. Then people went to that house, burglarized it, and even stole his toilet. Oh my god! Wow. Like that's a level of trolling that like wow. is. Beyond. Well, but 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 to end is like that is actually seems because all these aren't. I mean, it's on video tape. It's not an allegation. No, it's none of, this none is of something, this is something he did. Whether or not he yeah. had, he had people make a big deal about he didn't actually go to jail for it because like courts work in weird ways. But uh, we know this person, despite uh, the glory of trapped in the closet, which I I wasn't really aware of when I was or I had forgotten. Oh. Like you just those things slide slide on by. Thirty two. There's thirty two chapters, man. Right, and they're all offensive as hell. Honestly, <laughs> if, you, if you look at no, it. we can. But, oh, but for God. a guy that that is known, as, yeah. the the biggest contribution is I believe I can fly. Is that piece of art worth the abuse of tens, dozens of young women, uh, or maybe even young men? I don't know. Hmm. Like, is is 
why why do we hold that up and even try to make excuses for that? And why isn't it just like, hell, you did that? I guess I guess it's over. Like we can't give you money to make a record. Like so I think a, a lot of people just don't care. Like right. Yeah. I mean, and right, that's, and that's not the problem <laughs> with the artist. That's a problem with the. Pe- I mean, it is the well, artist's problem, but it's the people. That's a who lot are of what we're talking it. about. Is yeah. like it's not it. The the problem with the artists is that they did what they did. The problem I'm talking about is, is us, like the consumer, the populace. Like, what about us? Uh, have we the way we consume our entertainment that we're willing to allow that? We're gonna be like, God damn it! I love fucking. I believe I can fly so I mean, much. I think people like that. Like people like drama. They they like seeing drama. Huh. So it's I'll, almost like see, if yeah. you have drama, it's good press. Like yeah. good press. Bad press. But if the if the drama is assaulting an underage girl, yeah, that, that's that goes beyond drama. Drama is. Is uh, I don't even know, but it feels but, so it, but it's I feel but, like it's a similar thing because like if you're like yes, it's really bad and uh, obviously people don't look favorably upon that, but at the same time it gets your name out into the public. Oh, for like, sure, but I for think, sure, yeah. I think there's a thing about core demographics that's important when you examine R. Kelly because I, I I was thinking about this when you mentioned R. Kelly in the email. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm like I need to like. And, and I have these things that I hold them privately. So, like, R. Kelly, for people who, like, aren't aware of, like, conversations you have about rhythm and blues music, is, like, an artist that if you talk to, like, certain people about R. Kelly of, like, a certain economic stat- stature and of a certain, like, community stature, if you say anything that veers towards the sex issue, they look at you like you've lost your entire mind and that we do not speak of such things. We only speak of the songs that relate to the community right, and empowering the community. So R. Kelly has very smartly doubled and tripled down (laughs) in lower to middle class African-American culture as an iconic person because his fan base are people. And I'm not saying this as a stereotypical thing. I'm saying this is a thing of of largely fact or people who can look at R. Kelly and go either I or my mother or my brother or my cousin or my next door neighbor has similar issues. We all have a million skeletons in our closet. We've all done really deplorable things at some oh, point. Okay. So because of that, interesting. He's able to stick there and stay there and do stuff initially based in that community. Whether anybody else likes to hear it is immaterial initially to the people that he's making it for first and foremost. So but you're talking about his other what else the, everything else he talks about not about No, I mean that's what that's the thing. He he does that, but at the same time because of his flaws, his flaws are acceptable in that community because they're commonplace. So you, what community are you talking about? Yeah. The lower to middle income <laughs> African American community, like you know like But do you think those things are isolated just to that community? Yeah, no, but I'm saying that say I said core demographics. So if you play to your core first, yeah. like a politician, you know, you play to your core first. Everybody else comes afterwards. But the initial song, like say like, uh, I Wish, mm-hmm. that song specifically speaks, even Fiesta or um, what's, the, what's the song that everybody likes? Um, oh, Ignition. Ignition. Ignition, oh, yeah, yeah. Ignition plays to, specifically initially to a very specific community. Right. And it's like the most, just the most generic song in that community. It's that thing that you're just like, oh yeah, that's a song about X. And this person, and you're like, but this person, dot, dot, dot. There's at least three people in the room that'll look at you and go, so what? My cousin did that. 
So what? That's normal. So, so what, there's a pimple in the corner. So is your, is your, is your proposition, and, and this is interesting because I hadn't thought of this, that it's basically taking comfort in the infallibility of man. Yes. Interesting. Well, I think that's a specific, that's a, that's, that's a type of tactic, right? And it matters as much as like who goes after them and how, right? So if the three of us go after, if the four of us in this room go after Sonny Sweeney, um, to someone raised in West Texas, that's just going to play like a bunch of sort of coasty bullies who don't understand anything about life. Coasty, I like yeah, it. yeah, just and that's just, and just 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 attacking a good, honest, hardworking singer songwriter who didn't yeah. who didn't write any political songs. She didn't deserve to be attacked for that. All she did was fave a tweet, and now we're angry at her and we want answers, right? So, right. so, so, like, so it's the same point about like I tried to convince uh, uh, an African American man who was I think eighteen when Thriller came out uh, that. Michael Jackson was complicated and the conversation did not go anywhere. There was just no, there was just like, 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 like basically five minutes into it, he was blaming the parents of the kids that uh, <laughs> Michael I mean, Jackson allegedly well, molested. That, and that's <laughs> right? actually, that's a thing we do is, in the I, black community. Vivian, I think, to, I think to your point though, that is actually what you were saying and correct me if I'm wrong is, is that that's not actually just germane to a community. Yeah, exactly. I I don't think that's like specific. Like, like I I understand your point, Mark, is saying that he is playing to people he knows for a fact, but it's not that that's like in general, like you have to like address the 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 general nature of right but i think that the thing that is troublesome especially with artists like R. Kelly is even with Chris Brown, is that looking at the last ten years Mm. and the way that like the internet and hipster culture has interplayed with like because rhythm and blues was a a segmented community for the longest time like you had to like double jump through like two different hoops to cross over into that community to understand what was going on when the internet like democratized everything it's like oh everybody likes ignition everybody can get into this thing now so you put out something that segments here but it's, a, it's an open community, so you can look in. So you get things like R. Kelly playing the Pitchfork Festival. Yeah. And which is like... No, there's, there's a certain category of white hipster for whom Trapped in the Closet is like a top five Desert right. Island disc. And it's so. like... But you do understand that he's like the worst sexual abuser and the, the, the worst rapist and like... And, and, all the, and none of these things have been like denied. This is all true. Then that's what he gets... And I think the disturbingly problematic. And and to sort of get back to quest uh, to Kevin's original question here, which is sort of does does putting something else out into the world that's beautiful sort of justify the the real cost that this person has exacted on other people? Right. Um, and I'm and I think the I don't I, I mean I I don't think. I think that's that's a really difficult question to answer, and we could spend hours talking about it. But I'm I'm going to borrow a point from um, the Dan Carlin guy who does the Hardcore History podcast, who made this point. I think about Genghis Khan when he was doing a series on him, and that historians look at Genghis Khan's uh, time as basically one that created a lot of um, economic and sort of commercial relationships between uh, the Far East and Western Europe. And it basically, and so you look at it in terms of these large historical processes and and these, you know, sort of larger scale events. And in doing so, you don't talk about the presumably 100 or 140 million people or so who might have been massacred by Genghis Khan Mm. or the tens of thousands of women who were raped by him, et cetera, et cetera. And, And Dan Carlin's point is that 
So is the progress that that brought to the world worth the cost of those lives? And really, the only people who are entitled to answer that question are the people who pay the price, right? So, right. so the only people who can say whether um, whether uh, whether uh, I believe I can fly is is worth the pain that R. Kelly caused are his victims, are other victims of human trafficking. Um, the only people who can talk about whether I, I think you know who can sort of cast a fair judgment on whether Chris Brown has done more good than harm. Are victims of domestic abuse and, and Rihanna in particular, although mm. although not exclusively, because because I think the question holds for any woman who's who's been the victim of domestic violence. It's sort of like, well, okay, but if the guy had made Chris Brown's music, would you be okay <laughs> with what you right. suffered in that in that relationship, and, uh, right? Say, but but I'm not. I can't. I can't. I yeah. can't make that call. It's the, not. It's not for me. The to thing know. that always gets me with the Chris Brown thing with that troubles the water there is that the rumor of. And this is this deal delves into rumors, but these things are important in having these conversations where people say that when Rihanna was like 16, she was dating Jay-Z, who was almost three times her age. And you're like, okay, well, and that complicates her as a tragic person in this, not, not explicitly, but in the sense that there's a understanding there around sex and power and relating mm. that makes things really difficult to say oh yeah, well, why did you just let the man punch you in the face? And it's like, well, if sex and relationships are already a complex space, then when something like this occurs and maybe you don't process that as sexual violence Hmm. per se, but just like that's some weird shit that happened yesterday. And then when the world turns to you and says, you know, you were sexually assaulted. You were beaten violently by a man. And you're like, well, Okay, yes, I was. Yes, I was. And, uh, and then that's when it starts to get troubled. And that's the hardest part with all, of, with all these stories because you don't understand the human context of it. You only get the context as far as you get it from your life and your ability to understand human interaction. Right, right. And that's the hardest part with all of this. And then when these people all make great songs, you're like, Wow. Because then you really don't know. And it's like, it just kind of like leaves the song. And this is how I deal with Chris Brown, because I love Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, really, he was like my favorite artist. Like, it was like try, him and Trey Song. Try was, tweeting that at him. Yeah, he'll oh, <laughs> block you in a second. <laughs> right. But it's like, it leaves everything flat, because you have to strip away all of the emotion from it. And it's just a flat song that floats in the universe. And you're like, I don't like it at that point then. It's and that's the hardest part with with creativity and music. That's actually, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like if you've if you've countered every bit of joy you can get out of a piece of art with knowing every bad thing about the person, then what? It's good. I mean, you your art you did study art history. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm just curious how you all think about um, ghostwriters. Like, if someone right. is an artist that's well known and they have someone that writes their music for them, like there's this artist. Uh, remember his name but he writes for drake free meat mill no like if there was someone that that you really didn't like as a person and then they put out a song that someone else wrote that was a beautiful song well i, I think that's actually a important point and a good part of the conversation is that these artists aren't islands they're organizations yeah, I mean they're all represented by and, like and labels so, too. So if the guy at the top is just a real primo piece of shit, but everybody underneath him is really just really great people, like does that offset? 
Also, I mean, this just made me think of something else. I want to yeah. return to that. But if what about labels? Like, what if a label is really bad? Yeah, exactly. We've example, had that. We've had yeah. that. We've, we've had that PR conversation. I think. I think. Oh. I think. Though there's a, there's a problem here in thinking about just in terms of like it's not just you have like uh, a kind of a, a a revenues and an expense column. And you're sort of charting up and seeing right. if you come out ahead, well, or behind. I it's think sort I, of that's why I brought up Michael Jackson. Yeah. Michael, was, Michael Jackson, we can literally see the dollar amount of good that he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five billion dollars. Like, so is can we put a price tag at that point? Because we we all know in this room. I, I hope you do, Vivian. But like, all know Michael Jackson had some jams, right? Yeah, all of them. And and you know and. But like I said up front, we all know what he allegedly did, but and we all know his past. So that's clearly a very complicated situation. But if you abuse somebody, it doesn't the the reasons why you abuse them doesn't change the abuse. So well, Michael Jackson's case is one of it's it's complicated. It's it's difficult to condemn him as just a bad actor because he was also clearly a victim of some other shit, right? And so there's a kind of there's a pathology there, or there's a cyclical yeah sense of of um and there's something deeply weirdly freudian going on with the mm-hmm. sort of the idea of like a deprived childhood and then constantly trying to recapture it or relive it through others um i see your position's evolved that's my because we were talking but about, i also yeah. but I, but I, but i also don't think there's any but like but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't say that michael jackson was in all likelihood a pedophile and that you should think about that before you spend money or contribute mm-hmm. money i think that's to, an important point though that just because that's a that like that's a conversation of you said something racist versus you are a racist. Like yeah. say like yeah, does right. what you do make you that and that? Here's the thing. That well, t- and, and yeah. in my, in a Michael Jackson case, like say so we do know it is complicated. Yeah, it's so. very complicated, and um, it's not it, it's not R. Kelly. No, <laughs> like, it's, but it's even it's even more insidious. So like the, my favorite Michael Jackson song to have a conversation about this about isn't the way you make me feel. It's it's Billy Jean, uh-huh. which is the ultimate example of like Mike. You may know absolutely nothing about this, but this person wrote this song about you know like you possibly being the father of somebody's child, and Michael Jackson at that point is nineteen eighty two. He would be thirty ish, thirty three ish or yeah. so, and it's like okay, so you're a young man, but in reality, you're still kind of like seven. So they're just mm-hmm. words coming out of your mouth. And you're a great singer, you're a great vocalist, you're a great intonator of words. So they just kind of come out of your mouth and do whatever they do. And it's the one song that like, if you ever like really dive into like Michael's career, where nobody really gets it. At the end of the day, when you like parse out all of the conversation about the song and how much it apl- applies to this man's life, it's the one of the few songs where you're just like, it's a song he sang. <laughs> Throw up your hands in the air. Like he just sang a song and... <laughs> Yeah, made me happy. It doesn't have to have meaning, right? But that's the but that's the thing is that with stuff like that and with an artist like that, when they do things in real life that are so wildly different than the music, then you're like, okay, so how am I supposed to feel at that point? Because it's like, okay, now we're now we've like literally separated this into like I'm a man that 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 not that he's a murderer or anything, but I'm saying like I'm a man that murders people. Yeah. But then I sing songs about petting, petting kittens. So it's like, right. and, and you're like, okay, so then like that really gets into the conversation about artistry as maybe it's just a job. 
Well, and there's different shades of this. And so I know, uh, Vivian, you listen to a lot of hip hop. And uh, I don't know if you listen to the, uh, the No Worries thing with Anderson Pop from like two mm. years ago. Wait, what happened with Anderson Pop? Is No Worries. Oh. Is him and uh, who was. Uh, um, knowledge. Knowledge. Producer. Oh, is a producer. Yeah. And, and Malibu is, is an astounding album. Mm-hmm. And um, it walks the line up to what we know, just misogyny and hip hop. But this actually crossed it. Yeah. And it was really weird. And it's like Futures, like you're in my collection, like bullshit. And, every and, every Future song. Yeah. And, <laughs> I was actually like thinking about Future earlier because. Infinite Future songs. Yeah. I like the. See, that's my problem is that I like the beat of a lot of music and I like how it sounds. But then when I actually listen to it, it makes me really upset and like bother. But at the same time, you know, we do need drama in our lives, I think. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, we don't need actual drama. That's why we watch television. That's why we watch, uh, that's why I watch Nashville and Scandal. You know, it, it distracts us from stuff and music can do that for sure. But and like we were saying, it puts a lot of this on the audience. There's somebody. There's some little like nerdly kid who is so scared to ask out a woman or anybody that he's just like, and he hears in my collection, and that makes his day. Right? He doesn't think about the implications of it. He doesn't think, yeah, I'm a player, yeah. and and that you know. I don't like the value in that, but there's there's value in that. I listened and to some... Outcast when I was sixteen, yeah, yeah. and Outcast was like everything to me. So this 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 gets into another like this gets into rap writ large. It's like a whole thing. So like, rap is great when okay when the world is not shit. Rap is amazing because rappers can because rappers under the guise of like this happened in my neighborhood mm. can say pretty much anything. And we have to mm-hmm. accept it and critically understand it and say, yes, well, this is, you know, like, the, and there's no conversation when the world is not shit about, well, that is misogynistic. That is terrible. That is horrible. Like, I don't too- think it's just rap, though. I think every, every genre, every artist, mm-hmm. every type of art, not even just music. Look, look, at what, look at what just happened in the emo. Right. Oh, oh well, true. But I was just thinking about this in the context of like 90s hip hop and like, Biggie and two of the greatest rappers of all time are guys who yeah. who said, you know, "Grab your tits if you love me." No, yeah, I, and I, 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 I hear I'm, you. I'm gonna, I hear you, but I, I fucked your wife, you fat motherfucker. I hear you, but I think Vivian's right. I think that's no, I and, and I and I don't want to like try to paint this conversation as it's like those hip hoppers. No, doing no, the wrong I'm glad thing. you said that. I'm glad you like um, because yeah, I wasn't thinking that. You know, way, but I appreciate because it. even like uh, let's get off music for a second. You were saying something upstairs or in the email. Go back to the history of art in general. Yeah. And and it, what what was your point about that? Well, well basically what I said was just that surrealism as a genre even though that kind of gave birth to a lot of other genres and surrealism itself is kind of seen as more empowering, it started out as the, like in particular the artist Man Ray was very um sexist and mm-hmm. the whole genre was basically about like viewing women in a futuristic and in like a dream like unconscious state so the idea of like it's kind of like what you're saying about like freudian stuff earlier like it's very there's a lot of excuse i think in that just kind of saying like oh this is just like how we see women like this is it was a different time yeah Yeah. exactly so i think that transfers all of art and not even just like physical art but in some cases there has to be you know so so i wonder if um if the way we look at uh, something like a painting today 
uh, if it's easier to draw that bright line between the person who made it and just the, whether you like looking at the thing or not or whether the thing makes right. you think or not mm-hmm. um, in a way that we have a harder time doing with like music or or, or movies or mm-hmm. um, or even, you know, if it's just sort of like if it's hard to sub if, you know, you have to grade, unfortunately, um, and you don't have to, but it's a choice you can make to grade things like racism, anti-Semitism, sexism on a weird historical curve. And, and then, and, and sometimes then the question becomes like, well, was he that much like, was T.S. Eliot that much more anti-Semitic than the average person (laughs) (laughs) in the (laughs) 1920s? Was Ezra Pound that much more of a fascist? Did James Joyce want to be pooped on way more than some other (laughs) random person? And does that make him a bad person? I don't know. I don't think we need to know that, but (laughs) no, we don't. But, um, but 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 there is a kind of uh, uh, for some reason there are some areas in which we're very comfortable drawing a line um, between between the individual and the work, and it's not clear to me. I don't think it's possible. I think anyone who's selling a grand unified theory about why and how you do that is probably full of shit because I think it's a different calculus for every kind of individual person. I mean, I mean, certainly like you, you brought up just paintings and first of all it's just like the stag thing that hangs in a gallery yeah yeah chances are if, if the painting is famous enough that uh, you're looking at it the person's dead right that, that changes but, the interaction i mean i think that paintings are even a different story too because it depends on what gallery it's hanging in like yeah. if it were if it were hanging in like the national gallery or something that would be completely different from if it were hanging in a person's private collection sure. that they just invited people into because yeah. I think the space, and even with music, I think where you listen to it matters. Well, I think with music, I think we think about it, or I think about it more in that is because, uh, sure, a painting can travel around, but like these artists are out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we haven't yeah. we haven't talked about like John Lennon yet. So yeah, John Lennon's right. dead. Oh, right. John Lennon John was assassinated. Man. John Lennon also... By his own admission. By his own admission, beat his wife. Yep. Um, and... Uh, I think I think Miles Davis specifically said it was something you had to do to sort of right. set the boundaries of a relationship and right. make it clear. And I love Miles Davis's music more than just about, like, he's probably in my top five artists of all time. Mm. I mean, um, it got so bad that Yoko sent John to L.A. for a year for 12 months with a groupie and mm-hmm. to hang out with your friends and to get your life together. Cause she was tired of his, his shit. Mm-hmm. That's a real life story. I mean, so the, the question I want to ask to get back to what you were talking about, Vivian is surrealism in a surrealistic age. Cause that was the thing. That's the thing to me that changes the whole context of all of this It's like when the world is, is shit and the world is a, a complete mess and when you when you throw an artistic mess into a world that's a mess and it and it's it's logical in that space and you like and it like you know everything cancels out and you're like okay so it's just a person cuz like the context is similar and the music doesn't have a thing to like resonate against and create like friction there's a synergy there so you strip everything away and it's just a person and then for me that's that's a major issue with like me in critical writing is like cuz i always use the world as a way to like create that kind of like usually a friction so that I have the thing to like compare it against so that I get like the, the narrative out of it. Narrative, that word we use. It's the worst. <laughs> but uh, but when the world is crazy and the music is crazy and you know most creatives create from a crazy space like thinking about that and creating that space where there's just a person like 
I don't I don't know if that's an art thing or if that's a, I, a creative yeah. thing maybe I just have I don't know I think calling I think I think saying that that the art manifesting certain things from society in a certain way using that as an as a reason for creating art or being a terrible person in some ways is too much of a cop out because I mean people always have a choice of what they make and what they put out into the world but I do get that in a certain circumstance like so like it's to hard me, to yeah to me it was yeah. the second that Trump became president everything became normal everything became normal hmm. so like you listen to like a future album and you're like oh yeah Hendrix, you know, makes all the sense in the world. I'm like, this is perfectly normal. The Chainsmokers album <laughs> makes all the sense in the world. It's like, yeah, this is perfectly normal. Like, these guys are banal and silly and ridiculous sometimes, but you're like, bam. Yeah, it makes sense because so, everything but else so is crazy. so are people. I mean, I, I joke about, like, just uh, you know, the idiocracy that we've reached. Like, literally, Mike Judge is a prophet. But, uh, uh, and Vivian, you look at me a little like, what? I hope you've seen that. If you know what? Oh, you're, oh. Miss, you're missing out. Uh, Got to see it. We'll like get up with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but uh, you know, you joke about that, but again, it gets back to like what we as people need. Like the idea that it is a cop out, I think, is actually accurate. It's too easy to just dismiss it because of this or this or this. Saying somebody creates from a crazy place is like saying you have to be tortured to create, which is we, we know is a lie. But I think that. It's not, I think that, you know, when you have like a static thing to like compare a, a, a musical thing or a unique thing, because I mm. think that creativity in, inherently is unique, you know, like, like the, the best creativity as we like to, you know, if we're ranking things and rating things and talking about things compared to like we do. I, music. I, I made yeah. a sci-fi beat today. Was, it, was that unique? Well, I, I, I think, I think it was in the sense okay. that the beat did not exist in the world. In that sense. Yes, it yes, was unique. It is unique. So in a world where, in a world where, okay, so it used to be a time in which the world moved along at a pretty normal pace, and you kind of could expect what would happen, like you know, like there were like you know, when seasons. was this? There were seasons. <laughs> there were seasons that existed. When you, wouldn't, you, you wouldn't know anything about this. <laughs> right, you was, yeah. Like thousands was, of years ago. No, <laughs> in the last fifty uh, years. Uh, yeah, just, just ten. I, I yeah. mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't think there was ever a time when they like. I think when you're in that situation, whatever time it is, it always seems crazy and yeah. hectic and yeah. everything. Comparatively, yeah. I don't like. I don't think it's ever been this crazy. Right, but like at multiple... that time, like 30 years ago, it seemed crazy <sighs> no, for them. There's, no, there's multiple streams of nuts happening right now. And, yeah. I don't, and I don't think that we've been so attuned to it across the board. Like when things were crazy for conservatives, liberals were like, you guys are crazy. Mm. When things were crazy for liberals, conservatives were like, you guys are nuts. <laughs> right now, it's like everybody's looking at each other like, you got the answer? No, I don't have the answer. You got the answer? No, I don't have the answer. And it's yeah. this kind of like weird swirl where everybody is aware, similarly on, on some level, that things are not normal. That there is not a normal. There is not a, an established order by which we can understand our universe on any level like you know but i think that's always existed i mean it, that's where i mean that's what surrealism right. was but but i feel like it's and not to not to say that trump is the great evil though he is in many ways like it it's created a situation where the world is markedly 
more maybe maybe it's depressed maybe there's there's numerous factors here yeah that are at play in making us conscious like overly conscious that things are not normal well take take the term woke for example i mean i mean this is right. and this is what we're talking about in all this and, and feel free to throw in any more examples of artists anybody wants i know you had a few eduardo uh, you know, it's a ter- that what term didn't exist uh, until a few years ago, really. Certainly not in the public consciousness. It right. certainly wasn't a hashtag. And and once it was, now uh, it it has turned the corner into sometimes almost being self parody. Right. Uh, and uh, but what what it's supposed to be is that you are aware of your surroundings outside, like your people, and understand these things are, and paying more attention and stuff. And so right. is. Is that part of it? We just we're we're just willing for whatever reason to just not pay attention to when the shit's bad because it's entertaining or it's fine. You know, if if you know back to R. Kelly, if he's doing all this stuff, but we are literally just like, yeah, but it doesn't actually affect me. Disregarding your explanation, Mark, because it doesn't affect me, and I really like the song. And hey, I danced to "I Believe I Can Fly" at my prom or homecoming it was in space jam i love that fucking movie you know is that what we're willing to sort of give up because i'll, I'll remind in 2018 r kelly is banned from wakanda <laughs> yes he is <laughs> and thank and, you lovey and, thank you lovey for banning him, banning and, him from, from wakanda it takes a lot to get banned from a fictional fucking country <laughs> but he is banned from i mean and, and so so it's clear that we know and he, his stuff is being protested now, and it may just be his turn for that. But that doesn't like change how people like reacted to it for decades, and that doesn't change how we react to art coming through. But I, th- I, I mean, I, I mean, I think there's a difference in in in. It's not a difference in degree; it's really a difference in kind. That that when you talk about um, someone like R. Kelly, um, and the thing that I'm not interested in in supporting tacitly or or explicitly. Is is anyone who sort of is creating a network so that they can prey on people, mm-hmm. and this is something that it's it's something that that men have done, and they've and they've consistently created a culture um, where uh, rules are flexible or where they're the center of attention. And and actually, there's a like if you read, I forget I forget who wrote this. It might have been Malcolm Gladwell, and if it was, I apologize and I take everything back. But I think you wrote something about Joe Paterno and the and the uh, um, and kind of um, how uh, and it was and it was not about Paterno. It was about the essentially the, the fact that Paterno was at the top of a of a ring of pedophilia, right, and enabling um, this terrible behavior. And but sports, right? Well, and and so Ooh. and so what 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 ha- you know? There's a certain thing that that personality does, and it seeks to elevate itself to a position of high stature so that it can be above reproach. And it seeks to always sort of like redefine boundaries and to put itself in a situation of authority. And 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 so, you know, I'm 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 not interested in 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 having artists that I give money to be a part of a machine that allows that. So that's one sort of type of evil is the kind of like the clearly heinous. I'm a predator and I'm fucking rich and I'm creating this scene and people around me are on drugs and fucked up all the time and I can do whatever I want and touch whoever I want. And because my fame is toxic, people want to come to me, and they want it. Man, that's right? every festival I went to it. in the last five years. Yeah, it's also no, Harvey it's, Weinstein. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, we're sort of coming out of a time, I think, um, where where we're kind of calling out of bounds on that type of behavior more and more. And that's and that's kind of one type of thing. And I think 
I think we all sort of, I think that's, a, that's an easier one to do, right? It's sort of like, sure. like, I think one of the things that crystallized a lot of uh, how some people feel about Woody Allen was, was a recent piece in the Washington Post that basically said, no, 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 this dude has always viewed women in a weird, pervy, possessive way. Um, he has never not been weird about being around women. And it's not just the fact that he had an affair with and married his stepdaughter, his adoptive right. stepdaughter. Right. right. It, it, Nothing weird it, about that, by the way. It goes, it goes back to, uh, I mean, he, I mean, he made a movie Manhattan about dating a girl in high school. <laughs> like, yeah. and that's, and that's acclaimed as one of his greatest works. And he's dating yeah. like a 16 year old in it. And his friends are giving him shit for it. And he's sort yeah. of saying like, well, you know, this is just how I am. I date, I date 16 year olds. So, so like, <laughs> Like that's, that's, a, that's, that's an easy one to call. I think it's, I think the ones that are harder to call are the sort of like, um, uh, you know, does it, does it matter that, um, Dave Mustaine believes, uh, in like that he clearly like gets his news from Infowars and thinks <laughs> Sandy Hook was a false flag operation. I forgot talking you know? about this shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> that happened. Like he does. Um, Dave, Dave Mustaine believes that Sandy Hook was, was a well, false flag and, thing. And, and, and this is a broad question that I hope I don't get like added to death over, but like, what is, what does more damage? A certain type of abuse or behavior, say like Woody Allen, or the systemic, like the way women are portrayed in country? Over long, an entire industry, it was just like, this is how we're going to talk about women, and we've indoctrinated generations and in, into this. Yeah. Which is more damaging? I mean, personally, I feel like like the the smaller instances are more damaging yeah. long term because like if if all you listen to is telling you that all women are a certain way or like all women should be a certain way yeah. or something like that, that I feel like that goes into a longer like a long term societal problem as opposed to instances where someone did something that's measurably like really bad mm. or really harmful for a couple people or quite a few people that's something that's tangible and that everyone can kind of agree is not a good thing but when it's something that is super long term or that's very like across every genre yeah. or not even just in music i mean in well, everything well, well no single country artist is responsible for the way women are portrayed right well because, exactly because, right. i don't because, think because there's 80 dudes out there saying the same thing so, but right? there's not so there's, i mean i don't think it's a, a question of responsibility i think it's a, a question of perpetuation and yeah, continuing right, no, to that's, do that's it. Exactly it yeah that's exactly it. So, so you're saying that i can't listen to boston anymore I mean, <laughs> no, really see, like that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I What's still great? listen to, like, right. hip-hop that tells me that I'm right. a hoe, you know, like, but... Wasn't someone in Boston, didn't they set up hidden cameras in their apartment to oh my God, take just someone? Stop. Do you You're, know this? Do you do know this? Do not story? destroy oh, my reality one? on microphone. This, this is a true thing. Yeah, it is a true thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that the thing is, uh, I think that the main thing here is that you have to create, like, a wall of capitalism. And I look, I always talk about this when I talk to my, my, my woke black friends in the music industry about the rise especially in like hip-hop and r&b of like the conscious rise of jazz and afrofuturism and the fact that they're trying to actively create like a wall of money that will scream at the world right, right. and say hey, kendrick's a part of it this is why you know he's at the top mm. now of this whole wall of him and janelle monet and there, there's Kamasi. only kugler now what's up there's only kugler now <laughs> i mean there's I, only kugler but now. he's but he's part of it 
No, he is it. Yeah, yeah and there, but there's a wall now that just screams at you. Black is equal. Black is great. Right. Black is okay. And it's the same wall. It's it's yelling at the wall of like country. That's like she got a body like a back road. Right. Right. And and you have to. And it's it's capitalism. Dust, makes you dusty do that. and unpaved. Is yeah. that is that where that analogy takes you? <laughs> It's funny to we were talking upstairs Vivian about I, I can't remember if it was like racism and music or whatever and stuff but my response to something was like come on man you're a grown ass man and your immediate response was like that's not an excuse like you should have known I mean right? yeah I think we were talking about like Eric Clapton yeah, and yeah. what he said and his excuse was oh I'm I, that was idiotic like I shouldn't have said that but I don't think yeah I don't think saying someone is like not smart or yeah well, or a, whatever is an excuse because i think that everyone has i mean everyone is is saying their implicit biases and everyone has these biases and everyone is perpetuating them yeah. i think that what it is again get back to this wall of capitalism point because somebody pointed it out to me and like now it's been stuck in my head for like the last month and and it's funny because i've been waiting like for a time on the podcast to, like weave it in the conversation mm-hmm. But I, and finally I have it. I'm like, yes. So and it fits in this conversation because it's like, you know, explicitly in this case, African-American women being presented as like, you know, the queens of the world yeah. who make all the great music. And I mean, Cardi B is in it now, too. She's got the song Bruno Mars that takes away, that desexualizes her completely. Mm-hmm. And now she's just the girl who does cute songs about 90s R&B. And you know, it's just funny. It's like, OK, so that's what we do. Like, that's the creation that you make. And you have to be conscious and aware of that's what's being sold to you. Mm. And you have to accept that that's being sold to you. And and I think that's the intriguing part, looking forward and getting past an era where this is like the accepted belief. Like for so long, because these, these artists were like propped up on top of these giant walls of money, these giant like, you know, just stacks and stacks and stacks of millions of dollars. And you could just stand there and scream, here's my dick. Then there's your dick. Amazing. We're not going to deny that. And that's what it is. And now you have to create these other, you know, walls for people to stand on top of and scream at the world. Positive, enriching messages that don't imply and they're not from people who are are shit in some way. And that's the hard yeah, part. So, so that's an so I, I think that's a question that I'm that I'm thinking about right now is that do we have an easier time attacking people than ideas and do we have an easier time just oh. sort of calling bad behavior than we do talking no, no, about no, absolutely implicit bias? and I've, I've been noticing that this year in a lot of the yeah. stuff we've been talking about a lot of stuff we've been reviewing uh and totally unrelated to this but uh people uh were really upset about a jimmy buffett article in the new york times mm-hmm. and instead of talking about the substance of the article they were just like Haha, jimmy buffett's a fucking tool and it's like I don't care what you think. Objectively, he's one of the greatest song, living songwriters. Period. Yes. And that's whether that entertains you. That that's on you. Like, but his talent, objectively, is he has done the thing. Um, and so yeah, I think I think it is a matter of it is much easier to just go after that person than the whole the the idea of the oh we have a bigger problem. Right. I think there's a consciousness about all of this that's important. Sure. That you have to be conscious of bad people. 
people that do like not even legally because the law is a is a nebulous space now with the world being crazy like i was saying earlier the law is a no, nebulous it, it, it concept was, but but it's now like truly defined as a nebulous concept mm-hmm. like okay laws are being invented every day that are insane and uh you know make make absolutely no sense so you have to be aware of like and this is going to sound like as totalitarian and as ridiculous as as the person that runs our country but you have to be consciously aware of what is good behavior and bad behavior what is mm-hmm. generally considered in the world like this is a this is generally good behavior I think I think it's more about what you consider okay for you. Like I I think it's I think if you're consuming music you have to think about that person and how you feel about what they're doing. Right. Because like for me and for you it could be different. And for someone that's a fan of someone I don't like, their view of so, what's good could so, be different. Wait, okay, so uh, do you mind? Well, yeah, well actually real quick okay, yeah. Really, cool, yeah. So so but if if I read you correctly here, like, so if you like a song that is just really fucking racist, like, and you love that song, you're going to be okay with loving that song, but you're going to think twice before, like, coming to us and be like, hey, you should really listen to that song. Because you know that, like, or you, there's a song that says, fuck Eduardo the Immigrant, but it's your jam. And then you're like, hey, man, if it's got to hey, be, I'll probably like Eduardo, it. Eduardo, do you want to hear the song? <laughs> you're going to think twice about that, right? I actually, um, I, I, no, that's not really what I meant. I okay. mean, I meant more in the sense of just like not bringing it to other people, but just consuming it yourself. I like, gotcha, gotcha. Not, I don't think there's, there's any way to say this person is 100% terrible always and for everyone. Which yeah. I, I think there's say, a really I was gonna say I, I was saying in regards to that this is kind of like where the industry is headed and we, it's funny I'm, I'm glad and not to not to besmirch your age but I'm glad that you're 22 and you say this because the funny thing about Spotify and his age of Spotify controlling the whole music industry which someone confirmed to me this week Spotify controls sure. where the whole thing is headed the funny thing is like if 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 you don't tell me that you really like Bad, Brad Paisley and there's like a, a million people that are just like you who don't tell me that you really like Brad Paisley, and suddenly Brad Paisley is Paisley's playing the Super Bowl. Then it's because I can look at his number of hits on Spotify, the number of streams, and it's like five million. And I'm like, but, but you never, yeah. but you never told me. <laughs> that's the problem, though. Is but that, you never told me, but I know. But but that's the problem is that people use. I mean, I don't even use. Like, I hate Spotify. I don't use Spotify. And the people use that as the marker. Like that's the the problem isn't in, I like okay. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's, but it's that, but it's that like, quietude thing where you could say like, because it's funny now because you talk about like people are like, why is Drake number one? Hmm. We all hate Drake, and I'm like, well, no, you don't. <laughs> Those? But that's the thing. I think that there's like, <laughs> but there's, there's a million, there's like five trillion people in the world that are like clearly fans of this man, right? Clearly, and it's like you don't have to tell me, but there, but I know. I, I have, I have two quick points I want to make because I think because one thing I thought I was I was listening to you talk, Vivian, and that Marcus um, sort of just like walked up to the edge of is both how we create, distribute, and consume music today, and it's increasingly. Mm-hmm not a collective enterprise. It's sort of, it's like the fraying of, of the kind of the monoculture means that I can now never leave my basement and produce content. And or distribute. my basement. 
Right, or Kevin's Basement, <laughs> which is where I've been taking care of those 311 CDs. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, and the Spin Doctor CDs. Still haven't found the Crash Test Dummies, but, but I will. <laughs> Home Belly Groove Live. Uh, that was that was the live record. Um, so, uh, but no, but 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 you can you can basically you don't have to be part of a scene to distribute your your music anymore, right? And and you don't need you the listener. I'm I'm pointing at Vivian. I don't mean to. You the listener don't need to have like what you listen to be mediated by something that is appealing to a collective, right? It can just be something mm-hmm. that you're going to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so at no point do you have a scene vetting the message of the music or the creator of it. And at no point uh, do you have to, because increasingly we listen to music on our headphones alone in public transit, right? Like, um, and sure we still listen to music collectively, but a lot of it is done, you know, and, and this is sort of at the time of the Walkman, like, yeah. like, Sure, you could listen to music on your own, but it was basically 90 minutes of it, unless you had a little case that you carried around yeah. with a few extra cassettes. I mean, and, I, now, yeah. and now you can listen to anything you want to without ever telling anyone or That's asking anyone for it. And it's just you and the creator. Yeah. And so what goes away is all of the gatekeepers and all the filters, all the people saying, dude, that song does not send the no. right message. I think that's also important, though, because going back to what you were saying, mm-hmm. like, I don't think there's a way to measure what people are actually listening to because a lot of artists that people may be listening to aren't like, like you said, you listen to it on your own time and you listen to it in a, in a setting that isn't necessarily mediated in a way that's measurable. So there's no, like, yes, maybe the top artist on Spotify is Drake or something, but I don't think that that actually represents the demographic as a whole, what people are listening to. So, So then that makes me think about like, okay, so we all, we're all aware of who Poppy is. In the mm-hmm. world? No. Okay, so Poppy is a YouTube creation. She's like a girl. What's YouTube? Exactly. Right. So, <laughs> thanks, Kev. So, so, YouTube create, created artist that has a fan base that is both very young girls who look at YouTube and old men who like looking at young girls on YouTube. I'll leave that mm. hanging in the air. That's where you go in an environment where you go straight to consumer without any, mm. and then the tastemaker yeah. and then the tastemakers and the gatekeepers come in after the horse is already out of the barn. But but I, and that, and this and and to this conversation about artists and messages and do they jibe? It's all numbers now. So you have to like when you look at where it's gone once we hear about it because mm. we hear about it once the numbers are reached no matter what it is i think about pc music too you know there's that's a musical collective out of the uk which had the same kind of like pull it was like okay cutesy kitsch internet underground culture that possibly has an undertone that's a little off in a way, what what was the what was the example that you gave that I wasn't aware of, but it is fascinating. I skimmed it. You, you gave an example of somebody who was fined out oh, of existence yeah. by the FCC, and, and and what we're talking about, I think, is in your example, is not actual offensive behavior. Yeah, just use of quote unquote offensive words. Like yeah, basically, it was a radio station in Oregon, I believe. It was a non commercial radio, like community radio station. And they played during the day, which is in, in non-commercial radio, you can play certain things up to about 10 p.m. Yeah. And then after that, it's safe harbor hours. You can play whatever you want, basically, um, 
with some limitations. Um, but they played a song in the middle of the day that was um, an artist, Sarah Jones, talking about it was the song's called Your Revolution, but it basically takes lyrics from popular hip hop songs, mostly hip hop, and that are misogynistic lyrics. But mm. a lot of these songs are played on the radio or just like very highly revered songs. And then she takes the lyrics and turns it into a more powerful song for women. And so the someone was angry at the station so they told the fcc and the fcc fined the station and put them out of business right but it's like it's an example of like <laughs> this is it's stuff like, that's played everywhere all yeah. this for you here's the thing and then oh god damn it yeah <laughs> um we have historical precedents for this right uh sort of in music uh tip of gore yeah yeah pmrc pmrc, PMRC. Yeah. But that addressed, that addressed that. That addressed the content. Have we reached a point? Or, and I, I honestly, I, I'll, I can say I don't advocate for this. But have we reached a point that somebody should just design a fucking label and just be like, "This artist may be a piece of shit. Enjoy at your risk." No, that's no. I, that's like what ever. What is that? But I think that's where. But I think that's where we're headed. Like, okay, so it's this thing where YouTube, uh, YouTube, but I'm but Twitter. Is verifying all of the the Parkland the kids. kids, yeah. That I mean, so like, not that I've been searching, and dumping all the Russian bots. Yeah, not that I've been searching for the 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 blue check, mm-hmm. but I've been searching for the blue check. Me too, for forever. And then these these kids, because they're they're people of interest and they're people who need need a blue check in order to like make sure yeah. their lives are not and, and horribly to be clear, scarred Mark, by see, these kids are doing something vastly more important. No, than they are. Will, will no, ever? Do. No, they are. But so. I want to make the point that this is a legislative move to legislate people, sure, in a creative space. I think it's. To, I think it's. To, I think it's. I, th- I think there's a there's a compelling argument that it's to prevent fraud, which is to say that anyone could create a a, a profile with a similar name right. and claim that they're raising funds for Parkland, and so and I and I think there is. I think I think there is a compelling reason to say these people are in the news and people want to talk about what's happening to them. And it's our responsibility, given every other fucking horrible thing we've done, like helping elect this monster, um, to make sure that people are not conned by our platform any further. But that's, again, a thing where the horse is already running, been running for 10 years, running down the track. And now we're going to chase after the horse and say, here are the blinders. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, just because bad things have happened doesn't mean you shouldn't try to prevent more bad things from happening. Oh, I, right? I, yeah, Mario I, Rubio. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. That's but right. at the same time, it's like that's the that's the the crazy thing about the internet, and especially as it relates to the conversation we're having, is that legislating people hmm. is a really incredibly difficult thing to do, and especially in a deregulated time era and space. Hmm. When you say that the whole point. Of, of this era now is deregulation. You can say what you want. You could do what you want. And then it's like, once you start creating, it's like, wait, but, 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 but it's within, it's within reason. Right. And these are the reasons. And this is the thing. And then should, it, should I, kind of think, I kind of think that's always been, I mean, like the FCC has standards because they're regulating that. Right, but, they're, yeah. but, but, they're, but, but FCC standards ways. aren't, they're very, very subjective. You're, you're right. You're right. And they're not enforced. Like, there's yeah. barely anyone working at the FCC to actually enforce. You're they're right, also only that. applicable to public airwaves, and Twitter is a, is a, yeah. not a public. Again, things, <laughs> utility, you should say right? this again. So, 
Twitter is not a public space. Right. It's a private company, and, and and I think Twitter has a compelling interest to say we don't want. I mean, it's the whole th- it's the whole thing about them banning Nazis. Like they could if they wanted to, but but they only do in certain European countries where speech is regulated. Right. So it's mm. it's fascinating, and and then I guess to that point where we're talking about like why are the R Kellys of the world allowed to exist? There's a worse thing than R Kelly in the world that's coming. Mm. I feel this way. There's a worse thing than like a Michael Jackson. Is it Gigi it's, Allen? Because he already happened. I mean, I, I understand, <laughs> but I'm saying that that's a, that's a little inside. If you allow that. everyone, Nickelback also already happened. Man, <laughs> sorry, but uh, but there's a there's a there's a, a third there's a third way that's important in this conversation about art and artists. That's important because again, like I was saying, like there used to be a time where the art and the artist had a thing to resonate against. And it created a friction, and that friction was where we created rules, boundaries, and laws of what was what was permissible, what was impermissible, what was not permissible. Now that that boundary is gone, anything is possible, and it can also be consumed. And because it can be consumed, and because we play a numbers game, and especially in the music industry, if it reaches a certain number, I mean, one of the most popular acts in the world doesn't even speak the English language right now. BTS, they're Korean. They don't speak English, but they're popular in America because the American marketplace is like, oh, look at those numbers. Look at those YouTube and, and, and Spotify numbers. They're a thing. We're going to put them everywhere in North America because people obviously care. And when you, and I mean, it, and that sets a precedent that for if, if people appreciate somebody who engages in hate speech on a record or engages in hateful behavior in real life, to a certain number at a certain degree, there's literally no gatekeeper that can keep that from reaching a certain space or a certain level of importance in and, conversation. And, and I don't think the intent is like some sort of prior restraint or something. I think the intent is just if you're a consumer who cares about this. And 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 so to Kevin's point, I mean, I think I think that sort of already exists in the many. You know, I think that's why, I think that's why people love um, all songs. Uh, Right, yeah. because because they sort of trust that NPR isn't going to feed them the some, safe space. Some weird, you know, sort of Texas militia masquerading as. I, w- a, I would love to see Bob go down that path. <laughs> just, I would just, love, right, kids. I'm moving. I'm moving to Idaho. <laughs> this has 14 trillion Spotify hits. Yeah, I, here it oh is. Yeah, no, no, but I, th- I mean, I mean, I, I think, Must I think, those, right. I think those trusted brokers are already sort of there. Um, I think I don't think we need a sticker because people don't buy physical media anymore, yeah. by and large. Yeah, and the sticker was um, a joke and it was exaggerated. Yeah, I mean, but, I I like f- very vividly remember when those when yeah. that happened. Yeah, and it and it it was bizarre. Yeah, because you, we transitioned to like long boxes from albums, yep. and then all of a sudden it's like this big sticker, and I'm like. Fuck yeah, I'm buying that Aerosmith album. It's got a sticker yeah. on it. There was a, like, and I'll it, take my Rock the Vote. Uh, it yeah, got, it got so back. bad. And Vivian, in, in bring you to the conversation. <laughs> imagine if you went to a record store. I know these things don't exist anymore, but I imagine go to record stores. <laughs> okay, right. Give me some credit. Okay. All right, all right. So imagine you went into a record store, and the person behind the counter, if you walked up to the to the counter with an album and it had a giant sticker in the corner. The person will look at you and say, "You can't buy that." Parental advisory, explicit content. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and imagine, imagine if that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that did like when I was buying CDs yeah. as a kid, it was like all that. Over. And and and, and, and the thing, that happened. The I didn't know yeah. if that was no. the thing that well, you went out. I'm not well, that young. The, the, yeah. the, the, <laughs> I don't know. I'm almost forty, so I don't know. The, the hilarious <laughs> thing about how that worked, and and that speaks to us as a people, 
Is it completely backfired? Because nobody, everybody yeah. was well, like, exactly, that album's but I just got my brother fucking... to buy it for me. Well, like, you, you either did that, or it was just like, yeah, that album's fucking awesome. No, yeah, I, I, like, I, and you, and that's how you like learned about like Guns and Roses. We, <laughs> had, a, we like, had a guy that it? worked at our, at the Wiz next to Georgetown Day High School, huh. who would like when he was on when he was working. Yeah, you knew when he was working. And that was when you went in. That's what I. That's, that's where. Yeah, I, that yeah, is the yeah. person who sold me Doggy Style. That's the person who sold me the Chronic. That's the person who sold me Outcast, Southern Plains, the Cadillac Music, and sold me Nas's, you know, Illmatic. That so, guy. So, so I guess. Bless him. I, I guess to start, sort of start to wind this down. Like the initial thing was like, how do you? Question was like, how do we parse the difference between the art with the artist? We didn't even talk about Kanye. We can talk about Kanye a little. Um. He's an artist that I don't. Nothing he's done uh, except maybe the uh, the video thing with Taylor Swift. Yeah, his, his was was, like it, a, was it all offensive to me? I'm just like, and, and it was a weird thing. To the college dropout, his first record. I love the college dropout. There's but, mad misogyny. Well, well, but, but we're not talking about necessarily misogyny. We're talking about people who just hate Kanye because they see him or he's married to Kardashian or stuff, and that thing. And he's. He's not out there like abusing people like this, and and but people really are like, I'm not going to listen to Kanye because fuck this, and it's like that to me. I can make a very clear separation. I give zero fucks about Kanye's life, zero. The it's, people it's I, I think a, a lot of people do. That's why people like cannot cop to the fact that Life of Pablo was terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. I hate that right, but 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 in his case, there's so more of a cumulative shittiness factor of well, just like well, yeah, it's just like he, it's he, just he, it's, it's 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 not that he's done one horrible thing; it's that he's done like fifty kind of shitty things, Inclu- yeah. including including let's not, as you know in our G chat uh, flame war over this. Um, I was you know, and we were sort of getting at the like, well, what about this and what about yeah. that? And I was like, well, what about the fact that Kanye's first two albums are about how dumb going to college is, and that they were like. The best-selling records at a time mm-hmm. when, when like, when black attendance at higher institutions of learning was reaching historical lows, right? <laughs> like, like, what degree of culpability? Do, I mean, and it's I'm not saying that it's Kanye's fault, but like, at the very least, dude, think about the fact that you just you just went out of your way. You you spent two and a half cumulative hours, right, seventy seven minutes yeah. apiece, basically making fun of people. But who to go tie to that college. back into, but to tie <laughs> that back into that, when that came out, did you look at him and think about that? Did you think like, what is this guy doing? He's talking shit about college. He's a horrible person. But I'm not going to listen to his the name stuff. of his album is the College Dropout. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, for consider. I think the thing about Kanye that makes him important to this conversation is that he's one of the first artists that's like super conscious of being an asshole, and is like always mm-hmm. in that vein. And he's always trying to be an asshole. But we've largely talked about not just being an asshole. And that, that, that no, was actually but, sort of what's... But what's I think happened. the thing is with yeah. Kanye, too, is that what's fascinating is that he walks up to a line. Sure. And he never crosses it. Like, the one he time... Like puts his foot over yeah. it every minute. I mean, the one time he did cross the line is with Taylor Swift. Yeah. And she has not let this man forget about it <laughs> for the entirety of the rest of his life. I mean, I, mean, I think that's the interesting thing about Kanye is that he just, like, he just does... Like you're saying, like he goes up to the line, and like I think that's what makes people both hate him and love him. But we don't like, hate him because he molested somebody. We hate him because he's an asshole. Yeah, and there's but, a very big difference right, but he's between not, but that. He, he knows better than to molest someone, but well, he knows, uh, yeah, he but still knows how to be but an that's asshole. That's my point. It's like right. we, but so so we can 
we can separate that. But then when somebody does commits an actual crime, it it it, it falls back into he that. Learned, like, he learned from R. Kelly, huh? I'll say he learned from R. Kelly. Yeah, sure. Like, okay, I can't because because the thing with R. Kelly now is that R. Kelly is a very conscious bad man. Like yeah, in the in the because it's like okay, you don't get booked for the Pitchfork Festival as R. Kelly without knowing mm. that part of the reason why you're booked for the Pittsburgh Festival is because you are bad rape pimp man because mm. he is a pimp and a rapist. And a, and Feel, a trafficker of humans. Feels I mean, good to uh, say that. Yeah. He's a pimp, a racist, and a trafficker of humans. Those yeah. are things that I can't say. I don't say in public <laughs> a lot. Right, right, right. But I'm saying them right now. Feels, God, feels good. But yeah, he's a terrible human being. You don't get booked in front of a bunch of like you know like innocuous hipsters to say, you're R. Kelly without knowing I'm here because I am a horrible human being to these people and there's something subversive that they're doing by allowing me into this safe space. Well, now that, now that my girl, my, now that my girl Tay is at the party, uh, I think it's worth, uh, I just, I have, I have one small point. Vivian, I have you here. met the world's biggest Taylor Swift fan? Because the, the here he is. The world's oldest Taylor Swift fan. Uh, <laughs> You know, Justin Justin Timberlake deserves at least the same amount of shit that Taylor oh, okay. Swift has gotten over okay. the past year, if not more, because lest we like like while Britney Spears was having a mental breakdown, Justin Timberlake <laughs> continuously trolled her and went out of his way to like make people laugh at her when yeah. she was obviously in a in a painful and difficult place. Cool. And she had sex with a dancer while they were dating. That made him <laughs> right. mad. He's right. a mad man. Right. After he cheated on her, which I yeah. can't believe we're going down to this level of granularity. But uh, but we just did. But the point is the fact that the fact that it's so easy to to shit on Taylor Swift today and that Justin Timberlake has gotten a fraction of the blowback that he should get. Have he's you getting seen the reviews for Man he's in the Woods? He's getting it all right <laughs> now. Should, he, and, 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 and frankly, he deserves more of it. I mean, I, 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 it's just, it's, it's everything about that man is probably egregious. Um, and, and yet we were sort of fine with it because, and it, it turns out like, you know, like that Super Bowl halftime show, I was like, I kept listening to it and thinking like, oh, a lot of these songs are just, to me, not, they're songs I sort of like. But I kept thinking, like, where are the hits? Like, we think this man is a fucking genius, but where are the actual hits? And then you're like, oh, you know, his his massive songs are songs that I actually find annoying. And then there's a couple of, you know, there's maybe two or three songs over his career that I think are right. are solid. But so is he's contributed far less. <laughs> his, his his revenue column is much smaller. Then you, you feel good. You got that out. I did. Everything I did. everything okay? We're coming for you, JT. Stop shaking. Stop shaking. <laughs> Man so, of the so is so is the answer just that there is no real answer, and this is just a discussion that we're always going to have to have. And it's a discussion out. you have to have with yourself first and foremost. I yeah, think. yeah, I think it's that's just, the key. Is that like as the consumer, it's in your hands. Like no one can tell you what a good artist or a bad artist is. It's it's an acceptable level of bullshit for me. So like, okay, I mean, you don't want to interview Sonny Sweeney? I'll interview her. Okay. I'll do it in a second because I feel like I really appreciate what she brings as an artist. And I will, and there's like one thing about her that's like horrifically wrong. And I just want to be like, hey, so let's talk about that. Mm. Then with like somebody like a Chris Brown or R. Mm-hmm. Kelly, like if that person speaks to your life in a way that's like ineffable, mm-hmm. what can you say? That's your acceptable level of bullshit has not been reached. Maybe listening to 
Maybe that's the difference. Like, maybe maybe there's another artist that you will listen to. Like, Justin Timberlake could be your acceptable level of bullshit if you like R. Kelly and, you know, Chris Brown. Like, everybody has that point. And you can't... And I think that's why we have to keep having the conversation. Yeah. Because you can't legislate that. But you For at least have to make else, sure... Yeah. But you have to yeah. make sure that people are well, aware that, well, that it might not be okay. Back that up. People can legislate it. They absolutely should not legislate it. Right. Like, right, and if and if you have good friends with whom you can sit around and, as Kevin and I did during a whole long night over G Chat, yeah. just troll each other with like, I can't believe you like this person. <laughs> right? Someday those those logs will come out. Man, and, I, uh, I I mean, there's I a love, reason Paul put all his on private. I love I love Ted Nugent. Whenever Ted Nugent is entailed, I will go see Ted Nugent. I love Leonard Skinner. Whenever Leonard Skinner is entailed, I will go see Leonard Skinner. I have to when I okay so like. Final story. Not, it's not going to take too long, Kevin. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm marking it for edit. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. So I went Floor to... is yours. I went to, I went to like Leonardstown, Maryland, which is somewhere like way deep down past Waldorf. St. Michael's County. For, uh, they're at their fire station. They have, a, they, they have a country concert every year. Mm-hmm. And I went to go see Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. And I got out of the car. And I walked down the street. Mm-hmm. And there were 37 like rebel flags yeah. staring me in the face. And everybody was looking at me, and somebody used the N-word. I had tickets to this show that mm-hmm. I proudly bought. And I had to seriously think, this is where this whole acceptable level of bullshit thing kind of started for me. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is all bullshit. Yeah. But Simple Man yeah. is great. Yeah. And I'm going to hear... Not the actual Leonard Skinner, but this yeah, yeah. made up version of Leonard Skinner that tours right. now. Yeah. Play Simple Man. I will deal with all of these people saying horrible things to me and deal with feeling less than a man just there simple man. That's way more than, than you'll do way more than I will for a No, I know, but I'm just but I'm just put, <laughs> I'm just putting that out there as yeah. like that's the thing. I mean it's the same thing when I go see the nuge. Ted Nugent, the artist yeah. I like on stage, says things to which I do not politically agree. Yeah. But God, like, Wango Tango? <laughs> Jesus. The man. best. Joe, man. <laughs> I feel like someone has to say something else because we can't, we can't end on What are your final thoughts on this? Like, anybody, like, I it, mean, it, I, I think that that's an important thing. Like, I, I, my friend, one of my good friends, we have very different, like, levels of acceptable like stuff that we'll deal with like Mm. when we're walking down the street if someone like yells something at us i'm usually the one who will like scream something back and she's like don't do that like you could get like assaulted or something but like i think that's kind of like where like reeling it back into the conversation Mm -hmm. like i think that everyone just has to make their own decision about what they'll like put up with to appreciate something that they enjoy Eduardo, uh, are you a T'Challa or are you a Killmonger? I think yeah. that's, the, I think that's where. Yeah, relevant contextually. I think, I think that's where. You, you want to explain this? You know, spoil the movie and explain that metaphor for people. It's a great metaphor. It is it? Uh, is it still? Uh, it's not are, a spoiler. Are people Every, haven't <laughs> seen it. <laughs> it, it is the fifth largest movie opening of all time. Yeah, Wait, everybody is saw Black it. Panther. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It. yes. You should see it. I'm Man. going to like yeah. this weekend. I am, I am judging. This is all judging. Right here. <laughs> you know, I was really busy. Um, no, yeah, yeah. So, 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 explain the metaphor well, a little bit. Well, I think it's I think it's a fundamental question of sort of you know um, 
uh, it has to do with your level of engagement with the outside world and whether you become stronger by, uh, or whether the right course of action is to use everything, all of your internal reserves to go out there and forcibly overthrow the power structure, mm-hmm. or if you need to protect your reserves for yourself because there's mm-hmm. a value in preserving the continuity of who you are and what your traditions are. And those things in and of themselves represent the beacon that will ultimately change the world, right? Yeah. yeah. That's way to spoil Black Panther, bro. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, I can't follow that up. You talk what about the, the shark. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> the shark and the lasers in Black Panther. <laughs> Big finale go boom. Um, yeah, and that's it. So, I mean, really, yeah, uh, we just talked for about an hour and a half. And came to the conclusion that it's not really, there's clearly not an easy answer. There may not be an answer. Uh, just ask yourself when you listen to this stuff, is it worth it to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look deep within your soul. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Not too deep. It gets scarier than that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, what, you, what if you don't have a soul? <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, this sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> 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 um, thank you guys for coming down, Vivian. Uh, thank you for uh, this is your first one. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you will be back, and we will talk about music and not something so serious. <laughs> Although we get pretty serious, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be back in a few minutes. Hang tight. Big thanks there to uh, Vivian, Marcus, and Eduardo uh, for indulging me in that. Uh, That was... We do a lot of this off mic, where we just hang out and talk about stuff. uh, And you're going to see a lot more of it coming on mic throughout the year. But this is, uh, you know, it's always humbling to to, to know that that the people that work on this thing with me are as eloquent as they often are. And, uh, and maybe, you know, maybe that conversation spurred you to change your mind about something. I, I don't know. Uh, if it did, or if you want to talk about it more, uh, hit me up at podcast at chunkyglasses.com or just email me directly at kevin at chunkyglasses.com or any of the, any of the panelists. You can find their emails and, uh, and let's talk about it because I, I don't think we necessarily found any answers. I don't know if there's an answer, but it's, it's one of those things. I want an answer. We want answers to everything, guys, right? And I want an answer to that. Um, but uh, but until then, just uh, you know, try to do your best. I'll try to do my best. You try to do your best. Uh, that is about our podcast for uh, this Thursday and both our podcasts for this week. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. That's Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can leave us a radio or a message there. And if you subscribe, then uh, we get... You know, people, we show people, like, all these people listen to us day one when the episode comes out. Uh, you can also listen to us on Google Play, uh, Mixcloud, Stitcher, and on Spotify. Um, there's no album associated with this this time, so you can't look it up. But, uh, but we are out there on Spotify. That is thanks to our, our podcast host, Pippa. They are a podcast startup that we sort of switched over to last year, last January 2017. 
And since then, uh, they have been amazing. The best metrics you can find. Uh, for a small fee, they will host you. Uh, they will serve all the podcasts you can give them. It, they're just a great, great, great service. And, the, and their, uh, their customer service is outstanding. Any questions you have, they will answer them uh, morning, day, or night. Uh, it, it, it's astounding. So, uh, and, and they just keep getting bigger, which is great. So we are very happy to be working with them. And uh, last but not least, Mr. Jamal Gray, aquatic gardener in the music you hear underneath this right now. Uh, go out and find him in Uptown Art House here in Washington, D.C. Also, Nog Chopper Reaganomics. Go out and find this EP up on Bandcamp. Just look in the show notes. We've got it all there. And uh, and you'll be, you'll be right in your artistic world. That is it. That is uh, We are out of here for this episode. On Monday, look, tune in tomorrow to the interwebs. Lucy Daskix's uh, historian drops, and it, it's 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 a pretty good album, kids. But on Monday, we're going to talk about it. So spend the weekend with it. Come back on Monday, we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to be getting to stuff like Brandy Carlisle's album uh, that's coming up. We're going to uh, Gene Gray and uh, Quelle Chris. I can never say his name right, but I think I got that. They have it at the end of the month. It's an astounding album. Lots of lots of great, great stuff coming up. Uh, so we'll be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears but, and be better to your people. We'll see you soon. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>